0: 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
1: This is The Guardian. This might not be what you're expecting in your feed. Shante Joseph is back with a second series of pop culture. Here's the first episode. And if you like what you hear, listen to a new episode every Thursday. Just search for Pop Culture with Shante Joseph wherever you get your podcasts. I know it's been tough not having my voice in your ears every Thursday, but now I am back and let's get into some pop culture. The Oscars are over, and that is the end of awards season. But have film awards become a bit rubbish and outdated?
2: And the Oscar goes to... Mom. I just want an Oscar. What's your favourite thing about coming to the Oscars?
1: Um... And ladies, don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime. (laughs) You're listening to Pop Culture with me, Shantae Joseph for The Guardian. Before we talk about the Oscars, let me take you through the real winners and losers from The Biggest Night in Hollywood. Let's begin. So the award for best actor goes to Hugh Grant for his role of awkward British man in the hit picture Champagne Carpet Interview. Um,
2: So tell me, what does it feel like to be in Glass Onion? It was such an amazing film. I really loved it. I love a thriller. How fun is it to shoot something like that?
1: Well, I'm barely in it. I'm in it for about three seconds.
3: Yeah, but still, you showed up and you had
1: fun, right? The award for best on-screen chemistry goes to Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors in The Revenge of Angela.
0: Hey, auntie. We love you.
1: And the award for worst comedy performance goes to Jimmy Kimmel for his role as the farmer in Milking the Slap. If anyone in this theater commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor. I absolutely love that Everything Everywhere All At Once cleaned up this year. But it doesn't always feel like the best actors or films win. Michael Shulman is a writer for The New Yorker and author of Oscar Wars, A History of Hollywood in Gold, Sweat and Tears.
2: I am going on four hours of sleep. I'm very tired, but I'm kind of wired too. Uh, I'm punchy. I'm ready to go.
1: I caught up with him in L.A. the morning after the awards and started with what it was like being on that champagne carpet.
2: I mean, one thing that people don't always realize is that the Oscars take place at a mall, like a big shopping center. You're walking on the the red carpet or the champagne carpet, and everything's like squat, swathed in gold curtains and stuff. And then you'll you'll look through a, like a little crack in the curtain or behind the curtain and you'll see a hot topic <laughs> or like a Sephora or you like you take a escalator and you're in a garage it's it's so weird
1: when i look at it it looks like it's a massive like auditorium or some sort of like beautiful venue but it's actually just like basically our equivalent of a Westfield in LA in in Hollywood the line
2: between the height of glamour and movie magic and like a, a garage station like is it's just nothing that's hollywood smoke smoke and mirrors
1: So watching from home, I think there was a lot of anticipation for this Oscars post, you know, last year's infamous slap, but it felt quite tame to me. It felt like they were playing it really safe this year. What did it feel like in the room? Pretty much the same. You know, after the
2: awards, when I went to the governor's ball, I ran into this producer named Donna Giuliani, and she told me that she thought it was the joe biden of oscars there was a kind of soothing normalcy and even dullness to this year's ceremony like everything is just felt like really normal and you it was kind of a reminder that when the oscars don't go completely haywire because of an envelope mix-up or a, or
1: an on-stage assault this is what they're like i want to get right into the results everything everywhere all at once cleaned up they won seven awards including best picture why do you think it was so popular at the Oscars and won so many awards? Oh, even in The Room, when it was winning and then when it won the
2: top award, it, it, it hit the auditorium like a love bomb. I think for a variety of reasons. One, which can't be discounted because the Academy is the industry, is that it made over $100 million. It's a big hit. And I think that it's the kind of hit that defies a lot of very worrisome trends in movie making right now, which is that the only thing people seem to be seeing in cinemas are big franchise movies like Marvel, Top Gun, Avatar. Everything Everywhere All at Once was kind of the exception to the rule. So I think business-wise, it was attractive to the Academy. It's also a very heartfelt movie. And I think people really... and heart always goes a long way at the Oscars, like last year with Coda versus the power of the dog. And then, you know, it just represented this forward-looking sensibility. It was, on the one hand, it's about this, you know, this mother who's a immigrant and trying to fix her marriage and her relationship with her daughter. But on the other hand, it has this, this really sort of um, forward-looking style. It seemed to like just speak to a lot of different people. Hi, Evelyn. Mrs. Wong. Hey, Mom. I only
0: cook enough food for three people. Now I have to cook more.
2: Toward the end, when they got to Best Actress, you could just f- – at that, at that point, I knew it was going to be Michelle Yeoh, even though it, I was so torn between her and Kate Blanchett about who I thought would win. But it just felt inevitable and it felt like the right choice and a choice that would excite people in the room and I'm sure at home as well. Um, I mean, when you're in the hall, you can kind of tell who's going to win based on the applause as they're reading out the nominees
1: because these are the people who voted one thing that a lot of people are talking about is like Angela Bassett not being happy that she lost the supporting actress Oscar. And did you think that was a snub or were there any snubs that you felt happened this year? It's
2: funny that you say this about Angela Bassett because a friend of mine texted me during the show and said, I am loving Angela's uh, non-reaction to Jamie Lee Curtis winning. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Angela Bassett... um, I think she had a lot of momentum like a month ago. People were really excited. I mean, I interviewed her for The New Yorker about a month ago, right after she was nominated. And it felt like I was interviewing the winner. And that changed. At some point that changed. You know, Jamie, it's tricky with her and Jamie Lee Curtis because those were both awards that were for people who had had long careers. And maybe this wasn't their greatest role, but it was a chance to honor their career. But Jamie Lee Curtis had the added thing of like she was in the movie that was getting all the awards and all the love. So I think that's the headwind that Angela Bassett came up against. You know, so much of the campaigning is about narratives, almost like political Mm. campaigns and about emotion. And I think there was a lot of emotion behind Angela Bassett because people felt she should have won 30 years ago for What's Love Got to Do With It. And that's a very strong narrative. But then Jamie Lee Curtis also kind of had a strong narrative, which is that she... She kept talking it was interesting like this started around the time that everyone was talking about Nepo babies and she kind of yeah. latched onto that and started talking about how no, I am proud to be a child of Hollywood. My parents Tony Curtis and Janet Lee were both nominated for Oscars and now I'm nominated and it's like they're watching down on me like she made it feel like it was this family birthright almost. It's thrilling. I'm having the best time. Do you, what would your mother think? My, well, the first two people I thought of were my parents. Um,
0: I, I mean, I'm their daughter.
2: I think that just made people feel something and they felt like, okay, this movie also makes me feel something. So I don't know. Like in ter- I'm trying to think about why the, the, the momentum switched from Angela to Jamie Lee Curtis. And I think that it, it was like an emotional shift. I, I felt it in the, just the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. These campaigns are so, I guess, like strategic and they're so kind of well-organized and how they get you to want to root for someone. There's one thing I want to get into before that, and it's, it's basically about the kind of diversity of the awards.
2: The Oscar goes to Michelle Yeoh.
1: Michelle Yeoh's win was incredible, but she was only the second woman of color to win since Halle Berry won in like 2002. Even though there's this talk of, you know, we're going to make changes and things are going to happen, that's that kind of says it all. Oscar's been around for 95 years and she's only the second to win. It's just like, is that kind of an indictment for the Oscars or is it something that kind of signifies a potential change?
2: I think that was part of what, People wanted to see in the best actress category with Michelle Yeoh. And it was interesting. You know, my friend and I were talking yesterday morning before the awards about who was going to present best actress because it obviously wasn't going to be last year's best actor winner. Will Smith. <laughs> when Halle Berry walked out, I thought, okay, this is this is what that is about. It's like a handing the baton. Mm. In my book, I have a chapter about these three people who were the first black winner in their acting category across many decades, Hattie McDaniel for Gone with the Wind, and then decades later, Sidney Poitier for Lilies of the Field, and then Halle Berry in 2002. And it's it's so interesting to see how their stories overlap. In each of these instances, it was hailed as such a historic event, and it was very meaningful, but at the same time, experiencing that win as the sort of token person, like the person like Mm -hmm. who, and it hasn't happened in like, you know, these are across the, you know, the span of many, many decades. It was a very isolating, fraught experience for all three of them. And with Halle Berry, she famously said in her speech, That
0: now has a chance, because this door tonight has been opened
2: tonight a door has been opened and this is so much bigger than me and that was 2002 by 2016 when we were talking about hashtag oscar so white she gave an mm. interview where she said you know I said it was bigger than me and maybe it wasn't bigger than me and it's heartbreaking to think that maybe the door wasn't opened and so it was very meaningful to see Halle Berry present that award
1: I just think I hope it's not another you know 16 years or ever until we see someone else win this it kind of just feels like you're kind of giving your moment every now and again and it's like be really grateful for that be really happy for it now we're going to go back to doing what we usually do I had no idea of the kind of well-oiled machine that was not just the Oscars themselves but the industry around it and so I want to imagine, like, say I I was in Brazil for a month and say I made a film called Shante in Brazil where Angela Bassett plays me and, you know, she can finally win an Oscar. Oscar. And I yeah. want this this film to be an Oscar award-winning film. What does my campaign to make Shantae in Brazil an Oscar award-winning film look like? How does it
2: start? Well, I mean, one thing that is a major factor is money. You know, it's like anyone can run for president, but not everyone can run for president and we're going to hear about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have award consultants. That's, what is that? I mean, they work year round. You know, if you think of a... Of a political campaign, there's kind of two parts of it. One is sort of creating a narrative, so through like speech writing or something. And then the other part is the ground game, which is how do you reach voters? Um, right. Oscar campaigns also have that. Um, in the sense that they they craft a narrative. What do what do you want to feel? And then but the ground game is that the the, the awards consultants know how to reach Academy voters, how to get them to watch the movie, preferably on a big screen, at a screening. This is a lot of the stuff that Harvey Weinstein and Miramax really stepped up in the 90s. So that's what I mean about like the different levels of the campaign. And it's a lot of work. So you need campaign consultants to do it.
1: So we know that this happens. And we know that people invest in these campaigns for their films. But we also know that this can land you in trouble because one of the big pre-Oscar dramas was the nomination of Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie. But what was it in this instance that made um, it a huge scandal? If Andrea was just doing what people have always done, where did she cross the line? Well, the thing is that
2: she actually, they weren't doing what people have always done. They were doing something different. You know, okay. To Leslie is a movie that barely got seen by anyone. It had no marketing or uh, money behind it. So what they did was use social media and their connections, asked people like Gwyneth Paltrow to, um, to get out there and, and promote the movie. And a lot of them did that on social media. A lot of them did that with the same exact script. You know, they would say, Too Leslie is a small movie with a giant heart. Too Leslie is a small movie with a giant heart. <laughs> so obviously, the, the internet picked up on that right away and thought it was ridiculous. Yeah. But it worked. Why was it controversial Well, on one level, it was a real David versus Goliath victory. However, because uh, two Black women who were considered in the conversation for Best Actress, Viola Davis and Danielle Deadweiler, did not get nominated, it wasn't a very clear-cut narrative about an underdog winning. It opened up this big, messy conversation. Suddenly, people were asking, well, wait a second you know, Andrea Riceboro had access to this network of, you know, pretty much all white celebrities. Did Danielle Deadweiler have that same network? So it just, it got a lot more complicated very fast and people, and that's what led to the the messiness and the the drawn outness of the conversation around it. What needs to happen is that the Academy has said they'll, they're going to look closer at some of their guidelines, um, especially around, I imagine, social media, because every campaign strategists I've talked to, they all say the biggest hurdle is just to get people to watch the movie who are in the academy.
1: I saw this article in Entertainment Weekly where they had like anonymous um, Oscar voters basically they interviewed them about their experiences voting and nominating people and like some of the things that they said like a lot of them hadn't watched the film what on earth is going on here it's like and I guess the people who are voting are also like normal people with opinions and they're there for a reason but do you think in like in general there could be quite a bias or people aren't actually dedicated to the process and so they're not engaging in watching the films and they're kind of they've got this voting right but they're not really making use of it the people i,
2: don't, I think the people who who agree to do that are just like intent on riling people up <laughs> undercover of anonymity because they're always so provocative and you and the thing is you do have these sort of some older more traditional members of the academy and when they give their brutally honest opinions it is often very very different from like film twitter
1: is it more of a generational divide then is the academy just a lot older and so their views tend to be very different to those on film twitter who are like you know students or just like yeah. you know, proper film buffs who are generally a lot younger oh yeah i
2: mean there, there are lots of people in the academy who have had very long careers and they have slightly more traditional film taste maybe. I mean the the academy has been expanding and diversifying a lot over the last 6 years so that contingent is not as influential in the voting as they were 10 years ago. But, mm. you know, this is what happened after Oscar So White.
1: I mean, it's interesting you should bring up the stuff around kind of Oscar So White because as award season is coming to an end, I kind of want to th- talk a bit more generally about award ceremonies and hearing everything you've said about the campaigning that happens, you know, some voters not watching the films, kind of lack lack of diversity on these kind of award panels. What do we, like, What what is the purpose of award ceremonies in terms of what they give to audiences when it comes to film? Because I don't really think it's around recommendations for what to watch because... You can find that elsewhere and you don't need an award to tell you that a film is good when, you know, a lot of people use Rotten Tomatoes as as their basis. So what what is the purpose? If the Oscars didn't exist, it would
2: really be much more commerce would be much more the only thing driving what movies are made. Awards are like the only thing every year where you sort of have to, where Hollywood has to sort of Factor in quality in, and not just pure box office potential. Um, so I think it has a good sort of corrective effect to just the the, the power of commerce and 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 the and the market. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's a fundamental flaw at the heart of these awards, which is that you can't really rank art, and it's completely subjective, and it's just the sum of a bunch of people's opinions at the end of the day. Even if the Oscars horse race doesn't tell us you know, what the best movies are, they do provide a kind of glimpse into how popular culture is changing, how Hollywood is changing. That year, for instance, that Moonlight won, it was mm. just a couple months after Trump was inaugurated president. It was after a year in Hollywood where the Oscar so white debate had been really raging and Hollywood was having this sort of racial reckoning. And to have Moonlight win after, you know, in the wake of all that, you did feel like that meant something and that that was Mm. creating a kind of cultural space that hadn't existed before. And so I think that is all of value.
1: Let's cut the conversation here and when we come back for take two i'll be talking about whether the award ceremonies are done for tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts
0: good news ad free listening is available on amazon music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the amazon music app for free or go to amazon.com newsadfree That's 15% off at burrowcom slash ACAST.
1: Welcome back, guys. When it comes to film, we know that the Oscars dominate. But what about the rest of the industry? I just can't help but feel like these big award ceremonies have had their moment and don't really have the appeal that they used to. The Emmys, the Golden Globes and the Oscars have all seen a general decline in viewing figures over recent years. Catherine Shord is The Guardian's film editor. Do you think audiences are a bit... Kind of done with award ceremonies now.
3: I don't think they are over it. I mean, the ratings have just come in for this year's Oscars, and they're the third worst uh, in history. But they're a hell of a lot better than they were uh, the last few years. So, so that's an improvement. But I think, I think also the ratings are a bit of a red herring because, of course, the way that a lot of people watch them—not just in Britain where they're on at one am, but all over the world—is is the morning after is on clips little memes. That sort of way is, is how we consume them these days. So you really do still dominate the headlines, dominate the news agenda, even when people don't slap each other on stage
1: there's still a lot of issues regarding diversity in these awards. I think I personally feel like Angela Bassett was robbed. I feel like she's been looked over so much, but even with uh, Michelle Yeoh winning, she's still only the second woman of color to win the Best Actress Award in 95 years of the Academy, which is wild. And I just, I wonder if the Oscars will ever start to really feel the repercussions for their lack of diversity. I just think how long can we can we like kind of let this slide for before people actually start opting out of these awards until they start getting recognised?
3: I don't think people are ever going to opt out of them because if you look at what's happened over the last few years when the Golden Globes were mired in corruption and controversy, when we had the Me Too movement where people boycotted the red carpet, I mean, all that's back with a vengeance now. People that work in Hollywood, they, very few of them have strong morals. They want to further their careers in entertainment. So they're not going to back out of awards. I mean, it's significant say that Michelle Yeoh was the only person of colour in all 10 of the leading acting nominees this year and she's the one that won so I think we'd be having much more of a conversation about this had she not won. I think it's always worth remembering that the Oscars and the BAFTAs and all those awards they're right at the end of the process. What needs to happen is much much earlier on. uh, It's about sort of um, it's about it's about encouraging people of color to be writers, people of color to be studio executives. All that sort of thing is, is very much where the work needs to be done. It's not in, it's not, you know, if you're if you're sort of shouting at the Oscars for, for not awarding enough people of color, it's probably not because they're institutionally racist. They have reformed themselves massively. The, the BAFTAs have gone much further in terms of of, of taking measures that actively promote inclusion. But one the bastards all white this year? Well, that's right. It doesn't always work. you see it doesn't work at all. You know one of the reasons for that is the films that are made. I mean something like Rye Lane, which is out in the u k this week, is a great example of a film that you know features black actors and is just a great film it's not telling a distressing story that that requires those black actors to enter a mode of acting that is distressing you know it's it's I mean that's the kind of film that needs to get made more you know it's not going to win Oscars but it's it's
1: well that's the thing isn't it like people want to be recognized for their art and the only time it is is when it's a particular kind of film stories about like black joy black liberation whether it's like political whether it's like musical like they they don't they don't garner that same thing i feel like it's a chicken and egg thing where like the academy acknowledges these sorts of films so they get made so people take up these roles even if it's not necessarily what they want to do do you know what i mean i think it's like it's quite tough but you i agree it doesn't start with the oscars it starts way before the oscars but sometimes i feel like because of what the oscars represents it could be like a significant way to change that narrative.
3: That's one of the reasons why this year is so exciting, because in giving all the awards to Everything Everywhere all at once, they are rewarding different kinds of performances. I mean, Michelle Yeh gets to do a, a lot of acting in that film, and Kihu hu Kwan as well. You know, they, these are not traditional Oscar performances. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a, a step in the right direction, I hope.
1: The last thing I wanted to get into was about the award categories in terms of like gendered categories, because Emma Corrin, the actress who played young Diana in The Crown, recently said that, you know, unless there are gender neutral awards, award ceremonies will never feel inclusive.
3: It's interesting. Sam Mendes, I I just saw an interview with him the other day, and he said he thought that gender neutral acting categories were an inevitability. It was just obviously going to happen and obviously the right thing. And I think in theory, that's absolutely right. However, in practice, it doesn't always work to up diversity. It's worth bearing in mind the artist of the year at the Brits this year. It was an all male shortlist, no one non-binary, no women. And you know, some people would argue that if you've got uh, five best supporting actresses and five best actresses then you are guaranteed to have women on the stage for those moments and and the film industry is still quite a sexist organization uh, and there aren't that many women at least um, behind the scenes compared to men still so you know you are there is a risk that that at this stage in the evolution of Hollywood going gender neutral might be a little bit difficult However, you know, something like the the, Indi, the Indie Spirit Awards, which happened just before the Oscars, they've gone gender neutral and that seemed to work out fairly well, actually. I mean, also, the you know, it's a sort of gender, we are going towards gender neutrality in general, in theory, in Hollywood anyway. I mean, Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh were both playing parts that were originally written for men and then they were gender flipped when they found the right person who would act that role. So I think it will, it will happen. I think it's worth bearing in mind that the five nominees for Best Director this year at the Oscars were all men. Nobody is sort of saying, well, should we have five male director nominees and five directresses, you know, five female director nominees as well. Nobody wants that. Nobody's arguing for that at all. It doesn't, you know, if you have gender neutrality, it doesn't always work out. Uh, I'm not sure that Hollywood is quite ready for it. I wish it were, but I'm not sure it is.
1: Thanks for listening. If you loved watching Everything Everywhere all at once, like me, and are wondering if there might be multiple yous out there, then check out the Guardian Science Weekly episode on Could the Multiverse Be Real? I also want to tell you about The Guide, which is a free Guardian newsletter that looks at pop culture through a different lens. You can sign up and it lands in your inbox every Friday. This week, you'll find some of my pop culture recommendations. I hope you love them. This week's episode was produced by Hattie Moyer, sound design by Marla Seto, original music by Axel Coutier, and the executive producer is Maz Ebtarj. See you next Thursday. That was Pop Culture with Shante Joseph. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for Pop Culture with Shante Joseph wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Guardian.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership.